0: A number of years ago, we um, came across a plaque, um, a wall hanging, whatever. And it said, to see God in every circumstance of life makes life the greatest adventure of all. And... The key to we as Christians is to learn to see Christ in every circumstance that comes into our life. And when we do that, we we begin to see, wow, look at what God is doing. And, and to rejoice in the works of God. And some of the works are... Difficult because he's filing off the rough edges of our nature that don't look like Christ and wanting to make us to be Christ-like. And it's coming to realize that in regard to the situations we are in in this world. COVID has affected every area of life and that means including the church um, it has profoundly affected that and and to see God in it to see God in in the purposes of okay what is God doing in this I believe God is using this in and today we want to look at this one aspect of it, because our theme in the book, Glorious God, Glorious Gospel, is living together as God's family, as fellow believers, as a church. And I believe God is using all this that's going on in our world today, He's using it, one of the purposes of many purposes, but He's using it in the church to make us stop and think about what do I really believe about church? How do I define church? What is my commitment to church? And and that God is <clears throat> is really wanting to accomplish many purposes through this. I, I see this whole thing as God hitting the restart button with COVID. The restart button... <clears throat> With um with the church. Um somebody put out a little placard at their restaurant. Um has anyone thought of unplugging and replugging twenty twenty back in again? Well, um you know whenever we have problems with our computer we'll ask Acer or Denny, and they'll say, Well, have you shut it off and turned it on again? Oh no, duh, we didn't think of that. And usually that takes care of it, you know. But, but the reality is, God is wanting to do things in the church through what is going on here. And, and I believe <clears throat> that the church, generally speaking, had turned into a self centered entertainment for personal satisfaction, to, to give me what I want, to what I need. And, and um, honestly, I've known people that have gone to one church for the music, and then they left there after the music and went to another church for the preaching. <clears throat> you know, we've talked about Christianity being a smorgasbord, and And I've known more than one family that's done that. Um, most of that takes place in bigger cities, but not necessarily. but well, I like this here, but no, I don't like brussels sprouts, so I'll pass on that, but man, I love scallop cabbage and and I love roast beef, so i'll take that and and we've turned church into that. What do you offer for us? We preach the Word of God. Is that all? Yeah, that's it. Oh, then we don't, we want to move on somewhere else. We've lost God's design for the Word of God. And I believe He's making us come back and realize. And there are many, many churches that months ago said, we are not going to meet the rest of this year. It's all going to be online. Really? Is that God's design for a church? I mean, big name people are, are doing that in their ministry. Is that really what God designed for a church? <clears throat> it's easy bringing it home to us. It's easy for us to believe that coming to church, let's say three times a week, hearing a message and going our way that we did church. Really? Really? Is that what God designed church to be? Jesus did not save his people <clears throat> so that we could live a personal, isolated life with our own little kingdoms. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus said that he came. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus has said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, by the direction of God, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, You are absolutely right, Peter. And upon this testimony... Of Jesus Christ as the Son of the Living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There are great, great blessings that God brings to his children. You know, there are being a member of a family provided special provides special privileges, but it also provides special responsibilities. It's not just the privileges, it's the responsibilities. And I want us today to come back and look at, okay, what is God's idea of a church? First of all, the local church is very important to God. It's easy for us to think, well, it doesn't matter that much. I'm a Christian and, um, and I have Christ as my Savior. First of all, the local church was God's idea. He said, I will build my church. It's it's his doing. It's his idea. It's his design. We mentioned earlier the three aspects of the institutions God has established. The first one was the family. The second one in Genesis 9 was government. And then... In the New Testament, he said, I will build my church. And, and this is his idea. It is <clears throat> his doing. Honestly, um, if I didn't believe this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be called to this because it's God that has called me to this. And he said, this is God's program. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell are storming against the church in our world today. In Nigeria, there's genocide against Christians. In Iran, there, there is an all-out war against anyone that professes to be a follower of Christ. In Pakistan, around the globe, we are just beginning to see um little aspects of persecution we we mentioned forbidding churches to meet and so on but there is a definite war but it doesn't matter all all that satan has brought against the church throughout history and and there have been millions of martyrs for Jesus Christ and all satan has brought against He cannot and he will not prevail against the remnant of God. And that ought to give us great confidence. But to realize um, this is God's work and it's God's idea. Evidence to me that it's God's work is honestly we as believers have done enough to destroy his name and his testimony that it's a miracle the church is still going, honestly. It, it is of God. So first of all, it was his idea. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The local church is very important to God because he gave Christ for the church. We, we sang earlier about... Um, The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the Word. From heaven He came and sought her to be His holy bride. With His own blood He bought her, and for her life He died. This is talking about, about the church. And, and God's design. I mean, He paid the ultimate price to make His church, and we'll touch on it in a minute, His bride a possibility. He gave His only begotten Son. So it's, it's very important. And He says that, that it is the example for us for our own families and homes. Thirdly, if you'd look at the New Testament, nearly half of the New Testament was written to local churches. Paul, and he'd say to the churches in Cappadocia or the church at Philippi or to the believers, the church at Thessalonica, or it was written to the leaders of the churches. Timothy, I'm writing this unto you so that you'll know how to conduct things in the church. I mean, that was the center point. That was a focal point of what God was doing. And realizing um, when, when God speaks of the church, He's, he's speaking of these believers that are gathering together, and he wrote letters to them. Fourthly, he holds the church messengers or pastors in his hand. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. I could say that... In Revelation 2 and 3, he gives specific letters to who? To the churches. But notice, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse, the last part of verse 17, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. He's saying these are these are representative. What I'm holding in my hand is is the churches and the angels. And it goes on and mentions um, they're the messengers that God raised up. And God holds the church very dear to his heart. And he came and and brought the messages in chapters two and three. Fifthly, it is the vehicle that God chose to bring the gospel to the world. He commissioned the believers, the local churches, the gatherings, to go and preach the gospel and baptize and disciple them. And that's the vehicle. He didn't choose um, satellite television television. It may be a tool, but He specifically commissioned the believers. He specifically commissioned the church. It's the vehicle that God has established. And just lastly, not the last part of the message. I don't want you to think you're getting out early today. But lastly, why it is important to God. It is the only institution that God established that will be in heaven. I love my family, you love your family, but you know what? We're not going to have family reunions, St. Lawrence family reunions in heaven. I don't really love the government, but it's God's design, and thank God there won't be any government or politics in heaven. Family, government, and church. The church will be in heaven. In fact, it is the bride of Christ. There will be a marriage of the lamb of Christ being reunited with the church, with the believers. It will be a celebration of in heaven and and our families will not be there in our family groups and our nations will not be there in our nation groups. We will be there in the blood of Jesus Christ, washed pure in the spotless robes of Christ, and we will be presented as the bride of Christ. I don't understand it all, but I know if this is the only institution that is going to be in heaven, I want to invest in it. I want to to build my life in it. Nothing else will. Now, to help us to understand a little more about the church, the family of God, I want you to, I want us to see some of the words that God used, terms (coughs) God used to identify the church. In Matthew chapter 16, he used the term, I will build my church. The Greek word is ecclesia. it means a called out assembly. The word that was used, when when Jesus used that word, in their minds, the use of that word was when the government called people to come out and vote. It was mandatory. You had to leave what you were normally doing and do what the executive branch commanded. So... They, they weren't used to this term being used in, in a spiritual sense. It, it, it was a sense of duty. If, if the government called for Tuesday, <clears throat> everyone must come out and vote. They were using the term ecclesia. You must come apart and gather together <clears throat> for this purpose. Rarely was it used for religious activities. So, if you did not come out and do that, you could be, in Roman days, you could be arrested or at least fined. So, when God says, this is a called out assembly, it literally means assembly. It's gathering together. You can't do that with just internet programs. We're to gather together. We are to be called out. And the use of this term signifies a sense of responsibility. I am called out. It is a sense of I am. And we'll see as we go on here the importance of this. But God is called. It is mandatory. I am Under his authority, I am to be called out to gather together, literally gathering together. Secondly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 12 through 27, and I'm not going to take the time to read them all. But the term that is used to identify with the church is a body. And he goes on and says, can a a member of your body say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body? If we all were an eye, where would the hearing be? And he goes on and and carries this out in this theme. And he's using this to identify the church. The church, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, you are a body. How many members are in our physical body? He uses this analogy. I have no idea how many members, if you were just to all the organs, all the different muscles groups, all the the hearing and taste and all of these things. But they all play an important role. And he says, this is God's design. He designed the church. To be a body. In Romans 12 he said there are many members in one body and all members don't have the same office. So we being many members in one body are given to fulfill our roles for the glory of God. So this, even as the called out assembly signifies responsibility... The body signifies working together. Honestly, working together. You can thank God that your body this morning did not all of a sudden decide, I am going to function like the local church today. Because you wouldn't be doing anything. There would be members that were non-existent that just didn't show up there there'd be major major problems but this is what god designed he wants there to be glory in the church when we function as a body and it's working together i mean working together that that causes some issues doesn't it but turn to colossians chapter 3 uh, this this is my <clears throat> This is my prayer, and this is is my challenge to me personally, and my prayer for our church. Colossians chapter 3, we memorized it a while back. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Okay? I'm, I'm a child of God. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, Working together requires mercy. It's granting grace to others. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Honestly, there's there's some people that just grate against you, right? Like pastor, he grates against you, okay? What does God called us? We're to work together, be forbearing one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And above all things put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. <clears throat> And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. God, I'm thankful that you've allowed this situation to come into my life. And you're not going to be able to do that unless you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And, and allow it to teach you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That is a body working together. And those are the key ingredients to a body working together. Merciful, kind, humble. Well, I didn't like how they treated me there. Well, suck it up, buttercup. Christ doesn't like how how you treated him, and he doesn't just, I'm done with that guy. The reality is, we are to function as a body. And then, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We've already mentioned it. <clears throat> Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, Verse twenty six that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blem- <clears throat> excuse me without blemish. The church is the bride of Christ. We mentioned there's coming a day the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know what it means? that we are the bride of Christ. It means He delights in us. It means He pursues us. It means He desires us. It means He is committed to us. It means He is coming for us. The whole, the whole nature of Christ's second coming is tied to a Jewish wedding. That they are betrothed together and then the bride goes to prepare and she knows not the day or the hour when the bridegroom will come. And so she's to be prepared. We are the bride of Christ. He's gone to prepare a place for us. The groom goes to prepare a place and when he's ready he comes to the bride. We are the bride of Christ. We don't know the day or the hour. But he's coming again for his bride. Talk about how important this is to God. And someday we will be one with him. This signifies oneness and delight. That as the bride of Christ, we should pursue purity and oneness and a delight. So... We are called out to assemble together, to work together as the bride of Christ in oneness. And let me mention one other term that he uses in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. He's saying Christ is the foundation, the, the apostles and prophets built on it. Verse 21, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. He uses the word temple, or the household of God, and it signifies worship. Giving worth to God, showing forth together as we are one in Christ. As we are working together as a body, as we are assembled together in ministry, and we don't have time to go into it. But the ministry one to another, in in exhorting one another and encouraging one another, and and we are then to show forth the nature of God. The worship in, involves seeking divine help and direction. It involves giving praise to God. Many times our churches have 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 just turned into Worship, gathering together to worship God, but God designed the church for so much more, and He designed it that there should be great glory for Him through the church. So, as you see how important it is to God, and you see terms He used to identify it, what does that mean to me? As a believer, I must be, number one, committed to it. It's not optional. You cannot be an obedient Christian and not participate. You know, we know that in every other area of life. If if you're working a job and you don't show up, well, you, you're not going to keep the job. If, if a football coach says, tomorrow at practice, we're going to work on special teams, that means... Punting and kickoffs and extra points. So if the guys that think they're not involved in that, do they just say, hey, we're not going to show up tomorrow. They're going to work on special teams. I don't need to show up for that. So the church says, on Wednesday night, we're going to have prayer meeting. Oh, I don't feel a special call to that, so I'm just not going to show up. That's not a team. That's a self-centered. What can I get out of this? And I believe God has hit the reset button to make us think, what do I want? There are many people that are perfectly content just watching a video and seeing that and saying, good. Why? Because before all this came, they came, heard a message, and went away and didn't get involved in anybody else's life, came to when they wanted to, chose what they wanted to, and didn't function as a body. So my body gets up in the morning and I say, okay, let's just say, we got to go mow today. And my rear end says, I'm sick of this, sitting there and bouncing all over the place. I am not going today. Okay. We'll get along without you. I guess we'll stand up while we mow today. Our body doesn't work that way, and the body of Christ doesn't work that way. There must be a commitment. There are times I don't want to come to church. But it's the right thing to do, and you know what? When I come, God ministers in my heart. And there hasn't been a time that, that He hasn't ministered in my heart and I'm better off after being here. You know what? It, it should never be a question for a family. Are we going to church tomorrow? It should never be a question. We're going. Are we going on Wednesday night? Oh, I don't know. We're pretty busy and I, I'm really tired. Who? Raise your hand if you're not tired on Wednesday night. We're all tired on Wednesday night, right? So you better come and plug into the battery charger. Amen. You better come and, and get refilled. Because gathering together with believers is what God has called us to. <clears throat> it's not just showing up when we think we should or when we want to. It's, it's a commitment. And, and you know what he says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's happened in America? It's so much the lesser as we see the day approaching. And, and you know what? Judgment must begin. This is where things change is in our own personal lives and how we minister to one another. So we must be committed to it. I'm going to be there. We're going to be there for the services. <clears throat> and you need to ask yourself, and not only just for the services, but I'm going to be committed to ministering to one another. And that brings me to the second thing. As a believer, I must actively work to build it up, not tear it down. Use your gifts. Use your experiences. Be involved in other people's lives and allow them to be involved in your life. See, <clears throat> that's, that's what involves... A church body. Mark Devers said, and I've read this quote before, but I'm challenged by it (coughs) all the time. He said, I don't care how much you cry during singing or preaching. If you do not live a life marked by love toward others, the Bible has no encouragement for you to think you're a Christian. None. Do you want to know that your new life is real? Commit yourself to a local group of saved sinners. That's a church. Try to love them. Don't just do it for three weeks. Don't just do it for six months. Do it for years. And I think you'll find out, and others will too, whether or not you love God. Truth will show itself. If we really love he who we have not seen, it will show itself by us loving those who we do see. See, that's a commitment to building up. Well, they looked at me cross-eyed. Oh, well. You know, we've got all these things. Quit thinking about yourself and think how you can serve others. Well, I don't like them. They talk all the time. Or I don't like them. They never say a word. Or I don't care if you like them. you got to love them. That's what we have to do to be obedient to Christ. And honestly, the church in America has been a long, long ways away from what God's designed us to be. And it means actively getting in to build it up. Not tear it down. We are the bride of Christ. I, I hope this hasn't happened. But have you ever been at a wedding and sit next to someone and the bride comes in and, and they say, Man, her hair is a mess, isn't it? Is she wearing heels or flats? I don't know. But she sure should be wearing higher heels than that. Look, look at she didn't even fix her fingernails. They're not even painted. No, when the bride comes in, it's like, whoa, everybody stand, you know, and look at the beauty that is represented. God help us, maybe some people do sit at weddings like that. They ought to stay away. But we as Christians, we're complaining about the bride. When we complain about one another, when when we complain about what's going on, we're complaining about the bride of Christ. You tell me Christ takes that? Oh well. I can't emphasize enough because the scriptures emphasize it over and over and we we have had we have had wrong attitudes toward church. And honestly, the Spirit of God will apply the truths to our hearts. But the the point in me is not, for me, in all of this, is not we want to fill the church um, and count the noses. We don't count noses, okay? We're not here. And one of the reasons that, From the very beginning, I took the number board down in this church. From the very beginning, and this was just me, is because we think if there's good numbers here, things are good. No, you can have 10,000 people here and they all be carnal as the devil. And and so what? We had 10,000 people here today. No, are we walking with God? It's not the numbers. And this whole thing today is not about the numbers. It's not about the finances. I want you to not stand ashamed before God. Why didn't you love my bride? Why, why weren't you committed to it? You only showed up whenever you wanted. You showed up, heard it, and went away. You weren't involved. Why, this person could have ministered and helped you, and you could have helped them. Yeah, but you minister to people, that's messy. It is messy. But that's what God's called us to do. And the reality is that is our responsibility. Until the church becomes what God designed it to be, there really is no hope for this nation. It comes down to believers. But we need to make it come down to me. And you. What? Okay, God. As a result of this today, what do you want me to do? In relationship to your bride. Heavenly Father, I pray today that your spirit would help us to know your will personally for every one of our lives. Lord, I, I pray for men that would take the spiritual leadership and say, you know, we're not going to ask, are we coming that it's a, we're going to be there and we're going to minister and we're going to invest and we're going to love and we're going to have kindness and forbearance and long suffering. And we're going to learn to love because this is what God's called us to do. Lord, Lord, I pray that you would make us the type of church you want us to be. (laughs) That there would be glory in this church. And then, Lord, that we could go out from here, built up, strengthened, edified, go out from here and bring light to this dark world. Lord, we can't do it. There's there's no way we can function as a body without your power. Lord, our flesh doesn't want to make a commitment. But God, I pray that we would walk in your spirit. And as we looked last week, we would appropriate your grace to do what you've called us to do. So Lord, we appeal to you today. We are in desperate straits, and we believe you have left us here to make a difference. So I pray that you would begin right here in our lives, in our hearts, and Lord, that there would be great glory in this church for you, not for this name of this church, or this pastor, or we people, but Lord, that you alone would be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.